Thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Simple Power Podcast, where we get practical about experiencing the presence and the power of God in our daily lives. This week is sort of a deep dive into executing on the plans and the promises of God. You don't want to miss a second of this. You're going to get a lot of value out of it if you stay tuned. Episode 17 starts right now. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining me. It really, really means the world to me. This is the Simple Power Podcast, and I'm your host, Duke Lamastra. Hey, if you listened to last week's episode, then you know that we talked about vision, having vision for this 2020 year. We got into some practical stuff on executing on the plans and the promises of God, on the goals that we have for this year. Listen, you can have some really, really great goals, but if you don't have a practical strategy in place for executing on those goals, then what happens is you tend to get stuck. And listen, God doesn't give you promises just because he likes to hear himself talk. He doesn't give you promises just because he wants to get you pumped up and then kind of just leave things right there. He actually shows you things because he wants you to get there and he wants you to experience what he's giving to you. So when God shows you something, when he gives you a promise, when he reveals something to you, it's actually an invitation for you to partner with God, to engage with God, to go forth and accomplish that thing that he showed you. It's not an invitation for you to sit back and say, okay, well, God said this, so this is great. I don't have to do anything because he's God and he's in control and he's going to do it and Jesus take the wheel and all that stuff that we tell ourselves and it becomes a really passive approach to going after the things that God has said and it doesn't work. So this week, what I'm doing is I'm going a little bit further on our discussion from last week on executing on the plans and the promises of God for our lives. I got some feedback that really told me that I needed to go a little bit further. And this stuff has just also been just kind of swirling around in my mind, in my heart this whole week. And so I know that I've still got more to share here. So I've got to go a little bit further. Now, I'm going to go with a little bit of a different spin than last week, but you might hear me kind of touch on some of the same points that we went over last week. Don't feel like if you missed last week's episode, like you can't listen to this one, this is fine. But I do recommend if you haven't heard it yet to go back at some point and listen to last week as well. This is going to be practical and spiritual kind of at the same time. So just kind of hang with me. All of this is going to be based on a very, very important question. The question is, what is God saying to you right now? What is God saying? That is the most important question that I believe that you can be asking right now. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, when he said that, it was in Matthew chapter 4. You'll also find it in Luke chapter 4, but I'm mainly going to be talking out of Matthew. This was in response to the devil's assault on his 
identity and on the word of God that the father had declared over Jesus just one chapter earlier. In chapter three, the very last verse, we see the father speaking over Jesus saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now in the very next chapter, just a few verses later, Jesus has been in the wilderness. Uh, He was sent out into the wilderness by the spirit of God and he was tempted by the devil there. He had fasted for 40 days. Now the devil was questioning the word that Jesus received from his father. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The devil came and the first thing that we see in the Bible that the devil asked Jesus was, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. The enemy will always attack based on the word that you have received from God. Now, it doesn't matter if it's a prophetic word that came through somebody else or a promise that God gave you while you were like reading your Bible or praying or journaling or worshiping or whatever, something that God showed you in a dream or in a vision or a thought or an idea that he brought into your mind, something that he shows you in in the Bible as you're reading it and it comes alive to you. God speaks in so many different ways. It doesn't matter how you receive the revelation from God. The devil automatically wants to throw dirt on it and get you to doubt what God told you. Why? Because the word of God is life. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Man lives by the words that come out of God's mouth. We live by every word that he speaks. We are alive by his voice. We live by the revelation that he gives us. The world we live in would not exist if God had not spoken. Everything that we see exists because God spoke it into existence. Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. Nothing is created without words. His words create. And so when you speak the word of God, it creates. When someone else speaks a prophetic word to you from the mouth of God, it creates. There is an instant new reality that wasn't there previously every single time that God speaks to you. Now, you might not see it as far as everything done and everything accomplished in the natural, but it is already done in the realm of the spirit. And the word that God spoke, the word itself contains all of the power and all of the ability of God to bring it about and to accomplish it in the natural. From the instant that God spoke to you, creative power was released and what he accomplished, or excuse me, what he spoke was already accomplished in the realm of the spirit. Now, there's a partnership that takes place between you and God as you stand on the word that he spoke to you, you stand on the promise that he gave you, and you begin to declare it, and you begin to go after it by faith to bring it to pass. It's a partnership that happens. But so many people are under the impression that when God speaks, it's going to automatically happen. Well, God, you said it, so I'm just going to wait here and do nothing and and wait for it. I'm just waiting on God. You know, a lot of people say that they're waiting on God. That's not what it means to wait on God. It doesn't mean to just sit there and do nothing. That's not how it works. It's not Jesus take the wheel and I'll just sit here and wait for you to do everything for me. That's not how it works. In Genesis chapter 1, 
verse 26, God decided to give dominion over the whole earth to man. And again, in Psalm 115, we have this verse, verse 16, that says, The heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he's given to the children of men. He has given us charge and authority over this world that we live in. If he gave you a promise, whose responsibility is it to steward that promise? It's not his. He already did everything he needed to do. He spoke it into existence. The very word itself carries with it the potential to perform what God said. And you keep on waiting on God to move. But I think, and look, this is not a blanket statement for everything all the time. But 99% of the time, God is waiting on you to get into agreement with what he said but you're too busy waiting on God to move and do something when in reality, he has already spoken. He's already given you the promise. He's already given you the direction. So now it becomes your responsibility to steward what he said, to partner with him and to engage with him over that promise that he gave you so that it can actually come to pass here in the natural. And we're going to talk a little bit about how we do that, how we engage with God and and how we exercise our faith to stand in agreement with God to bring to pass the word and the promise that he's given us. We're going to talk about that before we end here today. Do you guys remember the parable of the sower? There was seed sown that fell by the wayside and birds came and devoured it. Jesus said, this is like when you hear the word of God, but Satan comes and takes it away like immediately. There was also seed that fell on stony ground. And Jesus said, you know, this is like when the word is sown and it's received immediately with gladness. But then because they have no root in themselves, they only endure for a time until tribulation or persecution comes. It's one thing to get excited about a prophetic word or something that God says, but then we have an assignment to stay in agreement with what God said and steward what he gave us. Now in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verses 18 and 19, the apostle Paul writes to Timothy, his son in the Lord, and he says these words, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience. So the Apostle Paul here, he's writing to Timothy. Timothy's been left in charge of the church at Ephesus, which has all kinds of issues, leadership issues, sin issues, all kinds of problems going on in the church at Ephesus. And Paul here is reminding Timothy, I am giving you this charge according to the prophecies In other words, based on what God has said, and then he says that by them, by the prophecies, by the prophetic words, you may wage the good warfare, wage the good warfare. What is the good warfare? Well, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every time God speaks, the powers of darkness wage war against the word of God that was declared to you. In the book of Daniel, I'm jumping around a little bit, but I'm going to, I'm going to resolve these issues. In the book of Daniel, Daniel began to pray and make declaration based on what God had said years, decades earlier. 
as soon as he started declaring the word of the Lord, a fight broke out in the spirit realm. The angel Gabriel responded to Daniel's prayer, and you'll find all of this in Daniel chapters 9 and 10. And Gabriel said to Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and you humbled yourself before God, your words were heard and I have come for your words. And he tells Daniel that he was held up in a battle in spiritual, in the spirit realm, in heavenly places. He was held up in battle for 21 days. And then Michael, the archangel came to help him, which basically released him to go and continue on to to Daniel to bring him the message that he was sent to bring. You got to catch this spiritual war happens when you recall what God has spoken and begin to declare it. The enemy is terrified of the word of God because it creates, because it brings life. So he unleashes hell literally to try and stop it. Here's the deal. Daniel kept praying. He kept, you know, worshiping, he kept confessing, he kept declaring for this entire 21-day period until the breakthrough came. So again, Paul says, we cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Every lie of the enemy that comes in and presents an argument. We were talking earlier about about Jesus. And the father tells him, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Then the enemy comes with an argument. If you are the son of God, prove it. Now, the important thing is how did Jesus respond? He said, it is written. In other words, I'm standing on the word of God, not the lie of the enemy. It is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So I go back to the word my father gave me and I make his word my refuge. When you live from what the enemy says or from what your neighbor says or what your circumstance says or what your empty wallet says, you stagnate the dream of God, not the enemy. The enemy doesn't stagnate the dream of God. He doesn't hinder the word of God. He doesn't slow down the word of God. He doesn't have that kind of authority. You do. God didn't give the dream to the devil. He didn't give the promise to the devil. It's not up to the devil to steward your dream. It's up to you. He gave it to you. So the enemy attacks, the arguments come up. Well, you know what? I just keep failing. Well, I don't have the money. Well, maybe I don't have what it takes. Wage the good warfare according to the prophecies previously spoken, cast down every argument and every high thing that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And he adds, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We have got to stop allowing negative thoughts to be in charge. I know that so much of our thought life has the tendency to be negative. Don't let those thoughts run rampant and control the outcome of your future. Take them captive. Take them prisoner. Put them in a sleeper hold. Snuff them out and move on with your life. Suffocate every lie of the enemy. Oh yeah, well, you know, there it is. You failed again. You don't know what you're doing. You don't have what it takes. God probably never spoke to you in the first place. If you had a friend that you put down or belittled as much as you do it to yourself, I guarantee you they wouldn't be able to handle being your friend anymore. You need to stop allowing lies to govern your life. Grab a hold of the promises of God. Declare what he said. 
What's the point? You can take what God has spoken and use it to wage warfare. Now, look, we can be so haphazard with what God has spoken. Why do you think he said that to you? Why do you think he gave you that dream? Why do you think he inspired that man or that woman of God to prophesy over you? He didn't do it just to make you feel better. He showed you something so that you have something to stand on, something to believe him for so that you can partner with him through faith. This is an inheritance thing. God doesn't just give everything to you. He speaks so that you have something to stand on, so that you can engage with him and through your love relationship with Jesus, walk out the process of possessing the promise. He speaks so that you get his word on the inside of you. So now look, this is where strategy comes in. How do you stand in agreement with what God promised in order to carry out the dream, the vision, the assignment that he gave you? I'm just going to go through a few tips that I think will help you to keep the vision, to keep the dream of God in front of you so that you can go after it. First of all, keep declaring what God said. What would have happened if Daniel had stopped praying like at day 20? I don't know. (laughs) That's the problem. But when it starts to get harder or more intense, that usually means that you're getting really, really, really close. Keep declaring. If it gets harder, declare more, not less. Remember what God said. Keep his promises in front of you. Writing down what God has said to you is so key. It's so important. You know, being able to go back to what God said to you and review it is like the most incredible thing in the world. I, I went back, um, I think it was just yesterday, I was I went back and I pulled out a journal and I read through about 15 days worth of you know journal entries where it wasn't me talking, it was God speaking to me. And as I read all those things in consecutive fashion, I realized, whoa, God actually said all these things to me. And so many times we can get in our heads and we can get distracted and we can, you know, like like we're going after stuff and we're living life and we're doing all of it, but we can get discouraged and forget about the fact that God is really there. He's really speaking. He's really leading us somewhere. And sometimes you go back to a word that God gave you and you're able to kind of like measure where you are based on that word. And you can say, oh yeah, God is doing this. Yeah, God did do that. This is what God said. And it it just brings so much encouragement. My, my wife and I, we have prophetic words from when we were at Bible college, like 12, 13 years ago. And we go back to them every once in a while, like at least once a year or so, like we'll, we'll go back and listen to them. And it just helps us to see the reality of the faithfulness of God. So keep the promises of God in front of you. Keep declaring what God said, review it, go back, remember what God said, remember what God has done meditate on the word of God. When you meditate on the word, you incubate the promises of God. Through meditation, the promise becomes real on the inside of you so that there's no argument, no thought, no principality or power in heavenly places, no scheme of the enemy, no negative talking relative or whatever that can steal away what you have received. How do you meditate? Like I can do definitions or whatever, but it's really, really simple. (laughs) Think about what he told you. The same way you think about your problems all day long and imagine what it would be like if this goes wrong or that goes wrong or this doesn't work out or what, you know how we all do that kind of stuff? Do that, but in regards to the promise of God, think about it. 
Speak it back to yourself. Declare it. Use your imagination to picture it. Engage with God over what he said. As you meditate on the word of God, you give life to that word. It's like feeding feeding the fire of that word that's burning on the inside of you. And the more real and the bigger it gets on the inside of you, the more the word of God will actually start to affect the way that you think, the way you see things, the way that you respond, so that when problems come up and when it doesn't look great on the outside, you can respond based on the fact that you know that God spoke to you. And so you stand in agreement with heaven and you're like, yeah, 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 I get that it looks like this out here, but God said this. And when what God said to you becomes bigger than what you see, then you are absolutely unstoppable. Something I mentioned last week that I just think is a really practical thing for keeping the word of God, the promises of God in front of you, the goals that you have is to have a vision board. I mentioned that really quick last week, but I didn't really explain it. And just in case you don't know what a vision board is, if you've never done one, you can like go to Walmart or the dollar store or wherever and get one of those big poster boards that costs like a dollar or 78 cents or whatever it is, put it up on your wall, but you put pictures on it. So you think about, okay, what are my goals for 2020 or what are my goals for the next, you could even do it for the next two years or five years or whatever you want to do, but get an idea of what your goals are. And as you decide what your goals are, you're going to go through, you can, you can do it online and print some pictures off, or you can go into some magazines. If you're good at drawing, you can, you can draw pictures on there instead. I go through magazines and I, I find pictures and I put them on my, my vision board. And then I put like a little caption underneath it that just says what it is. I've got, you know, a picture of some books and then under it, it says, you know, write and publish uh, my books this year. I have one of my goals is to publish three books in 2020. And so I do that. I put that on my vision board. Not everything has to be like spiritual. And I've got stuff on, I've got a snowboarder on my vision board because I haven't been snowboarding in a lot of years. And it's something that I love that I want to get back into. I live in Alabama where it's impossible to snowboard. So it's something that I've actually got to work toward. I've got to put a plan and a strategy in place in order to make it happen. But it's one of my goals for later on this year. So it doesn't have to all be spiritual stuff. It could be family stuff, business stuff, ministry stuff, stuff you're passionate about. My wife and I both have a vision board. Mine's on the outside of the door. Hers is on the inside of the door. We see them several times a day and it just becomes a reminder that you're not just living for the moment, but you're living for something greater, something that he showed you. In addition to having your big goal that you have, We need to set some smaller, reachable, measurable, manageable goals as well in order to accomplish the big overall goal. For example, I told you one of my goals is to publish some books this year. The size of that goal for me, it demands a strategy. I can't be haphazard about it. I've got to determine certain things like my start date, my end date for the writing part, my end date for the editing, my end date for the publishing. Based on all that, I can break it down further. I can say, okay, I need to have my writing for the first book done by March 1st. So that'll tell me, all right, I need to write this many chapters in this period of time. And so I can begin to plan and put it into practice and every day or every week have a goal or a couple of goals that are going to help me make sure that by my target date, I can get that book published. And last but not least, I want to tell you about something that I just believe is going to help you tremendously if you will get into the habit, into the routine of doing this on a daily or nightly basis. All right. It's every single day 
and I really recommend doing it like before you go to bed, sometime like as you're winding down the night before, or excuse me, at night, uh, before you're gonna go to sleep, take a, a moment. It could literally sometimes be 30 seconds or a minute. Sometimes it might be more like five or 10 or 15 minutes, but take a little bit of time and just begin to speak to the Lord. Engage with him and ask this question, God, what's up for tomorrow? What's up for tomorrow? And when you start hearing God consistently about walking out your vision and the plans that he's given to you and the promises that he's given to you, this is just something that creates such a momentum within you when you begin to hear his voice consistently. So you have a big goal that he gave you and maybe he gave it to you 10 or 15 years ago and maybe it's been sitting there and you haven't done anything with it. First of all, it's not too late for you to pick that thing up. As long as you are still breathing, there's life in you. You can go back to the promises of God. You can go back to a dream. You can go back to that thing. You can pick it up. You can dust it off if necessary and you can recognize this is the word of God. This is what he said. This is what he promised. And I can still go after it. Doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are or whatever. Just go after it. So I just really recommend spending some time with the Lord every single night and just engaging. If you have to do it during the day, that's fine too. But just spending a, a moment with him and engaging with him, like looking at, you can even do it in conjunction with your vision board, looking at that and saying, okay, this is what's in front of me. God, what do I need to do tomorrow? And as you begin to be prayerful about that and setting small manageable goals, one of the other things that I think is, uh, it's, it's really been helpful for me. I don't always do it, but when I do it, it's really helpful is utilizing note cards. Like I know that's not tech savvy and all that, but it's a strategy that was recommended to me a while ago and it really works. Like, Every Sunday night, you sit down for a few minutes and you write out your goals for the week. You know, you know, you've got to go to work. You know, you've got family stuff like, you, you know, all that stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about goals that are going to help you accomplish your vision and the dreams that are in front of you. So you take a note card and you write out your goals for the week. And then you spend about two minutes every single night and you look at those weekly goals and you say, all right, what's one thing or two things that I can do? on Monday and you do that Sunday night. And then on Monday night, you say, what's one thing that I can do on Tuesday to help me accomplish this weekly goal that's gonna help me accomplish this overall goal? Listen, we've gotta have a strategy in place. It's not complicated, but it is difficult when we allow life to get in the way, when we allow lies of the enemy to get in the way, because the lies come in and say, dude, you're not even close to where you're supposed to be. Why are you doing like these little tasks? Like, you know, this is never going to happen. We've got to cast down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring every thought, every thought that goes against what God has spoken, what God has declared. You've got to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and you will see success in 2020 and beyond. All right, everybody, thank you so, so, so much for hanging in there with me. Thank you for listening this week. If this session was helpful to you, do me a huge favor and share it with somebody that you know or tag it on Facebook or Instagram or wherever. And uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you guys in advance for subscribing if you haven't done so already. Anyway, you have an awesome week. I look forward to being back with you for episode 18 next week, Monday, 6 a.m. Eastern, 5 a.m. Central. Have a good one.